Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast that fuels your entrepreneurial spirit. Brought to you by Inhomoco. We deliver thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, game changers, and unsung heroes, all making an impact in your communities and shaping the future of business. Let's grow together and transform the world, one business at a time. Good afternoon. My name is Oliver Shimge. I'm the Regional Director of Business Growth Services at Ingomoko. It is my great pleasure to have you this afternoon. Thanks, Olive. My name is Julian Euler, and I am the CEO and, and co-founder of Inhomoko. I'm Sarah Leatham. I'm the COO and co-founder at Inhomoco. And I love that all of you're interviewing us today about the origin story of Inhomoco because you've been with us nearly from the beginning. So I feel like you're going to keep us honest today in sharing insights and what's happened for us in these 10 years that we've grown in the organization. So really, really happy to talk with you today. Amazing. And uh, welcome to Inhomoco. As a staff, as, uh, as Sarah mentioned, I've been with the organization for now eight years and as a staff member who has grown with Inhomoco, I am still curious about what inspired you to start Inhomoco. So Sarah and I started Inhomoco you know, about 11 years ago now. And it was because we had both met in San Francisco, California, which is in the heart of Silicon Valley. So many people know that that's the place of, you know, so much tech innovation, so much product development, so much entrepreneurial spirit. But Sarah and I both had aspirations of learning about what innovations were coming from Africa. So in 2011, we both quit our jobs and came to the continent. And we wow. spent some time in West Africa and Ethiopia, listening to entrepreneurs, meeting young people. And so we started in Homoko with that aim in mind to provide mm. really needed business development services at affordable prices and low-cost capital so that young people could have the resources they needed to grow to grow their businesses. So you were bringing the Silicon Valley to the continent. And why Rwanda in specific? Uh, we had a really interesting arrival into Rwanda. Um, when Julian and I had first started looking at where we might be, Rwanda was actually not on our map at first. It was somebody else's recommendation. Julian called me within minutes of arriving in the country and just had such a good feeling about being here was so welcomed and you know it's important for us that wherever in homoko goes whether it was those early days or here 10 11 years later that we show up in places where people actually really want this um this opportunity and these services and so it was really at the invitation and warm welcome of people that we met particularly young entrepreneurs who said, come and let's do this together. So Rwanda since then has continued to be a really great place for us to have grown in Homoko. And uh, we now have offices all across the country. So it's a great opportunity. And I definitely encourage other organizations and other businesses to also think about Rwanda as a, a pretty cool place where you can innovate, you can test, you can try different things here. 
um, and then continue to scale those outside of the borders of Rwanda into the larger East African community and beyond. As a normal business and myself having been a business advisor uh, of micro and small businesses, we see and we also hear that starting and running a business can be quite challenging. What were some of the biggest challenges when you started in Homoko? And what kind of support systems did you have in place available to you to support navigate that journey? The challenges that we had when we started in Homoko were very similar to the challenges that any young business has. I would sort of describe it as you hurry up and wait. You have a good idea, you want to get something to market, but then you need to prototype. You need that one certificate. You need that one um, meeting with a prospective investor. And oftentimes the rest of the world doesn't operate on the same timeline that you have when you're starting a business. And so those early years of Inhomoko, there was a lot of there was a lot of time where we were really excited to get started and we really wanted to do it quickly. But we had to also build, you know, build a customer base, build a, an ecosystem of partners. And that sometimes took a little bit slower than we than we wanted. And we had the bravery to just get started. Connection is important in, in every entrepreneur's journey. Can you share some of the examples that you are able to connect in the early stages from the clients, from partners, investors, and maybe other programs to support Inhomoko's journey to success? In the early days, we were really um, trying to build a solid network and trying to build a name for ourselves. And so I think in those initial few years, we made a lot of introductions. Some of them bore fruit and others didn't. A couple years in, we actually met with um, somebody at UNHCR who encouraged us to explore working with refugee entrepreneurs. And that was an area that we had never thought about before. We had no idea if working with refugees was going to be viable, if it would fit with our model, but we were willing to take a chance because we did see that as an untapped market. Touching on refugee communities, uh, Inhomoko's vision is an Africa with thriving communities where young people and refugees are engaged, communities have access to relevant innovations, for self-worth, for dignity, for self-determination. I'm curious to, to understand, again, building on your conversation, Sarah, why the focus on young people and the refugee or generally the displaced communities? Um, we first started working with young people in particular. And when we started working with refugees, we didn't know what was possible. And we got together as a team we had a, a small office above a grocery store in downtown Kigali and one small gray conference table that all of our staff could fit around. And there were about seven or eight of us at the time. But we all sat around that table and Julian posed the question to the group. She said, okay, guys, we've been invited to work with refugees. Do you think we should do it? And one by one, people around the table were able to talk about how they themselves were one step away from a refugee experience, that either they had been a refugee themselves, or their parents had grown up as a refugee, or you know they were born in another country and then came back to Rwanda to see Rwanda rebuild and regrow. And it was a really it, it was really personal. Uh, it was really personal for all of our colleagues. 
So that was really where the refugee piece came from. Great, yeah. Uh, what are some of the risks that you had when start, you started working with the refugee communities or really starting in that space overall? There were a lot of, I think, perceived risks of working with refugees and in refugee hosting areas. You know, as soon as we started working with these refugee businesses and host community businesses, we found that the real risks were different than the perceived risks. When you work in each offices of Inhomoko, on the wall, there are values written. And one of them is stated as all problems on the continent already have solutions on the continent. What are some of the ways Inhomoko is powering the solutions on the continent? Awesome question, Olive. As an organization, the values that we have really guide some of the decisions that we can make. And we do have offices, uh, nearly 20 offices in three countries. And this year, we're about to open up country number four to serve mm -hmm. even more clients, even though the context of the Mombasa office is different from the Addis office, which is different from you know, one of the camps in Rwanda, we are all guided by that same shared set of values. When we think about how we want to grow, it's not just about advancing ourselves, but making sure that there's a space for other organizations and other partners to run alongside of us. And that's also particularly true in investing in refugee-led organizations. Yeah, there are solutions that already exist in our communities that have been created by people who are the ones who are directly affected by the problems. You know, too often we think about that we need to import solutions. You know, what we are as entrepreneurs is we're problem solvers. And the best way of solving yeah. a problem is to truly understand what that problem is mm -hmm. and the impact of that problem. And as Inhomoko grows, we also need to acknowledge that there are people within our communities who better understand the communities than we do. And so it's how do we invest in those problem solvers in really meaningful ways to highlight to highlight their solutions and to try to scale those solutions. Recently, Inhomoko employed its 300 team member in a post-COVID climate when many organizations are actually still downsizing. How have you been able to recruit and build a strong team during and after the pandemic? You know, I remember so clearly in March of 2020, when we were all starting to get word that the world was going to change. Um, we didn't exactly know what it looked like, but there were so many hints that borders might close, that there were different ways that we were going to need to do business. And I remember in that moment thinking that we didn't know what we were going to do that we didn't know how our operations would be affected. We didn't know if the funding climate would change. At that time, when we still didn't know how long, how long the pandemic would go on, how it would affect us as an organization, what we did know is that we needed to make a commitment of togetherness because that's so core to the work that we do, togetherness with our colleagues, togetherness with our clients and partners. We also got some advice from, from one of our, our board members who said, conserve, preserve, emerge. And that term meant conserve, conserve your cash, conserve your resources. 
We don't know how long this is going to go on. So be conservative with how much we need and for how long we need to keep it. But then the word preserve, preserve your teams, preserve the health and safety of the people who are doing this work hand in hand with you, step by step with you. And so then when it's time for for the world to, you know, go in a, in a new direction, then you're ready to emerge. You're ready to emerge yeah. with, with, um, with the right level of energy, the right level of resources. That's, I think, the foundation from which Inhomoko has been able to grow. You know, we've more than doubled since the beginning of the pandemic, and we count ourselves very, very lucky to be able to do that. And as a result, like this organization has sort of been skyrocketing up since then. So as we get almost to the close of this conversation, last year as two co-founders and organization, you celebrated a huge milestone in Homoko's 10th anniversary. And in attendance was our first lady, her excellence Janet Kagame, CEOs from leading institutions, entrepreneurs like yourselves, team members across all the three countries. Why was it so important to ensure that every team member was in the Kigali for that event? When I think back on the last 10 years, I am so proud and also it's a bit overwhelming to think about the tens of thousands of people and the countless others who have supported us through this through this mm-hmm. journey. And when we thought about having our 10th anniversary party, it was around that celebration of community. It was the celebration of everyone who's been involved. This was why why we wanted to bring together so many people. And we were so honored to have Her Excellency join us. We were so honored to have a lot of our partners um, who we could also celebrate. And nobody wants to have a party by themselves. <laughs> and it was just fun. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, moving on to the future, uh, with a planned growth to be in at least eight countries by 2030, over 1,000 staff, how do you plan on preserving and scaling the amazing culture that we have? That's a good question. And it's one that um, is on our mind. Um, I think as the organization grows, we actually have to change the way we do things. But I think what we won't compromise on and what I hope that we can continue going forward is on maintaining the culture. For me as a leader, part of it is making sure that when people come on board, that they understand what the culture is that they're stepping into. I mean, the the operating environment that we have changes, the the countries of operation that we're in are changing. And so I continue to hope that our culture evolves and um, that we build on elements of our culture as we grow and that we don't just see it as something that's very static, but that it can be something that is of the moment um, and reflects our values, even though it may change in slight ways from place to place. But I think, Sarah, to that point, though, but one of our core values is bravery. <laughs> and and that's what I don't, that's not going to change. Yeah. One of the most people's favorite value is we eat goat. What does eating goat mean? Can you expand more to that? Why is it an essential part of Imomoko's culture? You're asking that on the perfect day, Olive. We're about ready to have... Yeah. <laughs> 
first goat party of the year where we get all of our colleagues together. We come together and hold each other up in hard times and we come together Mm -hmm. and we celebrate. And the tradition started when somebody that had worked with us in our early days, um, he was leaving the organization. He had a a short-term contact with us. And what he wanted to do before leaving was just have a big Yamachoba barbecue. And it was this milestone celebration for him Mm -hmm. to kind of graduate on to his next thing. And we had a, a motorcycle driver showed up in our yard with a goat. And we basically spent all day making brochettes and celebrated that night with our small team by having beer and Fanta and brochettes. And that has been the tradition that we've kept on. And it has actually Mm -hmm. added layered meaning on it um, year after year as we continue to celebrate with more colleagues and enjoy goat with more colleagues. And now you can come to one of our goat parties and you've got colleagues who are like, hey, this is my first one and I've been to seven. But that notion of coming together, whether it's sharing a meal um, in times of celebration or sharing a meal or being with each other when things are hard, that's core to who we are. Um, And so it's Tukupamoja, it's Turkumwe, it's Abernanjan, it's it's the words that we hear in our communities across East Africa that say we come together and support each other. Goat, greatest of all term. We also celebrate all of our colleagues who are yeah. stars. Um, and we want to make sure that we, uh, you know, we eat goat and we celebrate the goats. Wonderful. Thanks so much for the amazing conversation. And do you have any parting shots? I just am so excited about the future within Homoko. And when I think about where we're going, I get super excited because what has gotten us to here has been phenomenal, but it is insufficient to where we need to go. To take this organization to the level where we'll support over half a million micro and small businesses across the continent, we need continued fresh ideas. We need new systems. We need to find new partners and new ways of doing business. Because the old ways that got us here, while great, need to be built upon in order to do better for ourselves going forward. And that's that's an exci- a really exciting place to be. Yeah. And Olive, thank you so much for the conversation today. Um, I, I just wanted to say thank you to you for going on this journey for so many years with us. This organization is truly yours and uh, you've been a huge part of all of these successes and milestones that we've had a chance to talk about today. And for the people who are listening, whether you're a new colleague who's just joined us and you're getting up to speed on the Inhomoco story, or whether you're a partner or friend of the organization, um, thank you for listening in. And we want to keep changing and iterating and improving. And so, you know, this is a story reflecting back, but it's also a story about what is going to to come as julian said in the future and and we want everybody who's hearing this today to be part of that thank you sarah thanks julian (laughs) 
At Inhomoko, we are dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs across Africa with the tools, resources, and knowledge they need to flourish in today's competitive business landscape. Now, we are bringing that passion to this podcast, taking you on a journey through inspiring stories from around the globe.